And this is Amplify You, the podcast about you discovering your message and broadcasting it. You're a coach, author, speaker, and you're looking for the best return on your time and investment. We're giving you full access to how we're running our podcast, how our clients have found success, and what you can do to launch your pod. We're brother and sister. Join our family as we unleash your unique genius and find the connections you need to launch your adventure. Let's get amplified. Hi, Rennie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, you really help entrepreneurs overcome money issues. And so many of entrepreneurs in our population right now have been taught nothing about handling money correctly and how, to, how do we properly deal with money and what are some things that are like mindset and stressing uh, stressors. I know mind, and, uh, money is a big stressor in a lot of relationships and businesses and families and all, all of the above. So today we're going to talk as much as we can about money and the mindset and things that are keeping us broke and the mindsets that might be keeping us broke. So Randy, thank you for joining us today. And let's just dive in with your story. Let's, let's hear it all be how it all began for you. Okay. Well, yeah. And, and I think uh, a little preamble to the story might make sense in that, you know, you were talking about many entrepreneurs. Um, the reality is 90, nine zero percent of the population has mm-hmm. been taught nothing about money. I mean, think of it from the standpoint that parents can't teach what they don't know and teachers can't teach what they've never learned. And it gets worse because uh, I've spoken to hundreds of CPAs and said, uh, in your coursework, did you learn how to do a personal budget or how to teach your clients how to do that or a business uh, budget or uh, cash flow analysis? And the answer is no. So wait a second, if you're going to turn to your CPA because you didn't get from your parents or school and they haven't been taught, it gets really scary. Now, I'm certified as a financial planner, and I know doing a personal budget budget was not a part of my coursework either. Wow. Even as a financial planner? Even as a certified financial planner. It's like, well, I know how to reduce taxes, and I know how to handle investments, and I know how to create a financial plan but I don't even have the foundation of doing a personal budget. Wow. Wow. You know, I really wish they had taught that in school too, because something we leave elementary or we leave high school with and first thing in colleges were greeted by all these credit card companies. And I, I signed up for tons and it was $3,000 of the debt my first year of college, not school, just some free money. Yeah, exactly. They're like drug dealers. Here, try (laughs) this. Let me hook you. Right. Crazy. So I wanted to, to put that out there before I even started with my own situation, because it's important to understand like, well, wait a second, you're a certified financial planner. What do you mean uh, you went broke twice and failed at business? And by the time you were 50, you had nothing and started over. Mm-hmm. Well, I had two divorces and a business failure. Why? I was lacking the foundation. And what I realized at age 50 mm-hmm. was that what I learned as a certified financial planner was not what wealthy people know and do. And so there are certain myths that I had that I realized I had to break up. It wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of those was that wealthy people do not focus on paying off debt first. Mm. They use debt to create wealth. Mm. And you know, I had credit card debts. I couldn't, you know, I was making minimum payments at age 50 and I'm trying to get myself out of a hole. And 
I started doing something else, else that wealthy people do, and that's paying myself first. Mm. And that's a concept that's 5,000 years old. It works today. It worked 5,000 years ago. It'll work when you and I are dust. And a lot of people say, I can't pay myself first. Mm -hmm. I can't take 10% of what I'm earning and set it aside for later to invest because I won't be able to cover all my bills. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. That's a mindset problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or people will say something like, well, you know, the small amounts of money I'm spending don't matter. I mean, these are some of the myths, like I can't pay myself first. I've got to pay down debt first. I could spend small amounts of money and it doesn't really matter. Um, or, you know, I need to earn more money or my credit score sucks. These are the kinds of things that keep people stuck where they are. And I'll, I'll if I remember what I just spit out, address <laughs> every one of them. Because yes. they just... You know, they just flow out. Um, totally. I know as an entrepreneur, I've had every single one of those thoughts in my head too, because, you know, you see, a, you see a bill there and a debt and you want to pay that off before you pay yourself, right? Uh, exactly. That's right. And that is not what works. Mm -hmm. um, you know what? I'll give you the best example. And, and that's mm -hmm. my personal experience. At age 50, like I said, I'm starting over. My book is called Wealth on Any Income, mm -hmm. which is because I was only earning $5,000 a month mm -hmm. and created a multi-million dollar net worth out of that mm. starting at age 50. Amazing. But the first three years, I'm earning $5,000 a month. And what I did is I set aside $500 a month. So after, 18, after uh, um, three years, I'd saved up $18,000. Mm. Okay. I'm making minimum payments on my credit cards. I'm not focusing on paying them off. I'm focusing on what can I do to create a net worth. So at age 65, I'm not eating canned, eating canned cat food. Right. Right. Um, time's the time's a ticking that you've got the pressure on there. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. quickly on. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I took some calculated risks okay. and one of the things I say all the time is, Wealth is a team sport. It mm. is not a solo sport. These mm. creating wealth you don't do by yourself. Mm. And so my wife had a realtor friend partner who found a little three unit building that we could buy, mm. which I can't do for $18,000. But my wife chipped in $18,000. The realtor chipped in $36,000. So the three of us made the down payment on this triplex. Mm. Uh, we cleaned it up. I mean, I did manual labor because I couldn't afford to have someone else do the work. I mean, I mm -hmm. spent my whole 18,000, but we were able to increase the rents cause we improved the property. Mm -hmm. And about five years later, it was worth $500,000 more than when we purchased it. Wow. And what I saw during those five years was, you know what, this is going up in value. This is making sense. I borrowed more money to make down payments on more apartment buildings with my wife and that realtor. Mm -hmm. And I had to use their credit. A lot of people think, well, you need good credit to do this stuff. No, my credit sucked. I was broke when I started. Mm -hmm. My credit wasn't very good. Um, trying to figure out if it was at that time. No, anyway, there was a house that went into a short sale. Bottom line is 
I couldn't qualify for any of this on my own. So their credit allowed mm -hmm. us to make these purchases. I borrowed money to make down payments on more apartment buildings with them. And within about six, seven years, we went from that first three unit building mm -hmm. to 50, five zero wow. apartment units. Wow, that's incredible. And yeah, it was a struggle the first few years. I mean, if a plumbing bill came in, it could have wiped out the profit for that month. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, it wasn't all rosy as soon as we started, but by the eighth year, the revenue, the income from the apartment buildings was making the payments on my credit cards. Mm. Not only that, if a credit card bill came in, they were getting paid in full. That's a nice feeling. <laughs> yeah. So the, what I'm getting at is I wasn't able to do the, I was only able to make minimum payments until I built up a net worth where the mm -hmm. revenue from that was able to make all the payments. So wealthy people, again, don't focus on paying off debt. They focus on how to use debt to create wealth. Mm -hmm. The banks gave us loans for the apartment buildings mm -hmm. and that debt created our wealth. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you think now, like in the to start over again uh, in today's market, would that still that strategy still be applicable? Yes, it would still work today. I'm sure, that's a question you get asked a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. But one of the things I probably wouldn't do now, mm -hmm. uh, Michelle, where are you located? I'm up in Canada, in the Vancouver and the West Coast. Okay, fine. So that's I'm down in California. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> million dollar little, townhouses <laughs> a little chilly there right now yes <laughs> but in california the laws have shifted to the point where a lot of the social programs the homelessness are all blamed on landlords hmm. when it's the cities that have created regulations that make it more and more and more expensive to build affordable housing mm -hmm but the legislators don't understand that. They think if they just put more legislations in place and put in rent control and other restrictions, that'll solve the problem. All it does is compound it. Right. So, you know, while I'm in California, I don't think I'd buy here, mm -hmm. but there are other parts of the United States and I'm sure there are parts of Canada that yeah. it makes sense to buy rental real estate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe not on the West Coast where it's super expensive, but. Uh, that's why I was curious if it's still applicable strategy because real estate, you know, value has gone up so much. But I think it's, again, a mindset thing. But we think real estate's really expensive and there aren't any affordable things. Where I met a girl last week where she's buying mobile homes and, and flipping them and, and doing, she's a multimillionaire now doing that, which is fascinating. Exactly. So she did it with mobile homes. People could do it with tiny homes. People could do mm -hmm. it with regular houses. They could do it with multi-unit properties. And it doesn't matter what the cost is now because realist, the level of real estate on the planet is not going to expand. Mm -hmm. We only have what we have. <laughs> That's right. So the prices are going to go up. And especially if the legislators impose more restrictions, whatever anyone bought is going to become more valuable. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, so anyway, so that's one of the myths is that, you know, you have to pay down debt first before you take care of yourself. You know, another myth is that, you know, people think they need to earn more money. I think right. I kind of dispelled that myth when I said all I was earning was 5000 a month when right. I was doing this. You know, people think all debt is bad. No. Credit card debt for consumer items, that's bad. 
Mm-hmm. Debt that allows you to build wealth is good. Right. You know, and people need to understand that there's a distinction. Or, and some people think it's actually rude to talk about money. Right. <laughs> well, that's another myth. Wealthy people talk about money. Yeah. I mean, they talk about what they paid for things and who they use the service for different services, mm-hmm. um, what investments make sense and what their uh, price earnings ratios are and all these kinds of terms that if people get educated on, they can be in money conversations. Right. It's really uncomfortable. I think probably for those that don't have it, <laughs> or it's an awkward conversation, <laughs> I think probably, yeah. I don't know. I'm fine with talking about money, but some people, it's just a real like, interesting interesting thing people get really bent out of shape from talking about it exactly the people who get the most bent out of shape are either they fall into two classes one of them is they don't have it Mm -hmm. they don't want to talk about it because they're feeling insecure because they don't have it and the other group are people who just feel insecure Mm -hmm. and so they're not willing to talk about it right yeah that makes sense so for people who are like looking to like get started, maybe accumulating wealth and perhaps through real estate, what are some things that we can like, maybe uh, some things that we can do to change our mindset, thinking that that might be a scary, or yeah, a scary thing to get into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the mindsets really has to do with finding out where the money is going. I think one of the, mm-hmm. the other myths I talked about is people think spend, spending small amounts of money don't mm-hmm. matter, like, you know, spending right. 10 bucks at Starbucks. Well, 10 bucks a day or $300 a month, Mm -hmm. if invested effectively, which I mean, I I can still make investments at 12% in 30 years. I I realize that seems like a long time, but you know, if someone's 40 in 30 years, they'll be 70. Mm -hmm. It's a $1 million portfolio. That's $10 a day can create Mm -hmm. a million dollars. Well, like I said, I've, broke at 50. I didn't have some 30 years to look at (laughs) different risks. You know, I got got involved and maybe that's another thing to realize is that wealthy people don't give their money to someone else to take care of it. Mm -hmm. They learn how to do it themselves. Mm. That's an interesting. They are in control Mm. of their investments. Yeah. And I think for entrepreneurs, if we can talk about entrepreneurs in particular at the moment, I think that that, um, Heard the ten dollars a day at Starbucks, the latte factor. That is a dangerous thing, and I think for entrepreneurs, we also have a dangerous. Our kind of latte factor, I think, is like all these services and like online things that we need to manage social media or to like manage this. I know I spend tons of money where I'm like, do I really need this thing? <laughs> like, you know, I swear, like I'm I'm spending so much extra money on things that probably don't really need it, just to streamline things. So. I think in the entrepreneurial world, we get tempted by a lot of shiny objects, <laughs> especially the things that make our life easier and the technology and like. <laughs> exactly. So one of the things that um, I did, I learned how to do um, mm-hmm. was a a personal budget. How much money is coming in? Mm-hmm. Where is it coming from? And where am I spending it? And I actually created a little checkbook register you know this was before you could get an app on your phone Mm -hmm. and there's probably i know there are hundreds and Mm -hmm. hundreds of apps to track money right now but i did it on paper uh Mm -hmm. it looked like a checkbook register i tracked meals out i tracked uh gasoline i tracked other transportation expenses Mm -hmm. i tracked groceries and what i was able to discover 
was where my money was going. And was mm-hmm. I spending in alignment with where mm-hmm. I wanted it to go? Mm-hmm. Was I spending in alignment with the goals I wanted to achieve? Right. And I got, I literally only took five to 10 seconds every time I spent money. Mm. And so, you know, these are the you kind of- consciously aware of it too, right? That you can be like, oh, absolutely. Hey, this, do I need this Starbucks latte or can I go without it? Yeah. <laughs> right. And you're right. It's the questions you ask yourself mm. that can transform your situation. And a question would be something like, um, is this money in alignment with my goals? Or mm-hmm. if I didn't have to work for a living, mm-hmm. is this where I would spend my money? Right. And mm-hmm. it starts to point out what's really important to you. And those questions, like you said, Michelle, are really important. Yeah, that's interesting. I live off the grid right now. And so like the nearest, the nearest Starbucks from us is probably about 45 minute drive or an hour, which is a great thing because I notice when I go into town, like I overindulge in those things. So I'm quite happy they're so far away <laughs> for the for normal day-to-day living. Um, and that's a great thing to keep in mind. Yeah, just those just the small spending that adds up to a lot at the end of the day. Um, it's okay. incredible how much it can end up being at the oh. end of the day. I remember as an example, I wasn't tracking the money I was giving my kids because Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was enough to bother tracking. And for some reason I decided, well, I might as well find out what it is. You know, the kids need this for school. They need that for school. It turns out it was $900 a month. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That was $900 a month. I wasn't paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. You know, and like I said, it only takes five to 10 seconds what yeah. a good challenge for business owners too, to not only do it personally but also in our business too like what are we not paying attention to like whether it's our you know um people that are uh, we're outsourcing work to and, and their invoices or you know our you know uh, all those those shiny shiny object technology apps that we use to make our lives easier or whatever so i think that's a really great challenge for entrepreneurs out there to you know, if you're finding you're not making the money that you want to be making, that's a really great first step to take is to start looking at. Do you recommend tracking it for a certain amount of time? Or oh, just yes, yeah. I mean, a minimum six weeks. Yeah. Because it gives you what a typical month might look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out I, 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 once I got into the habit of writing it down every time I spent money, mm-hmm. I had done it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it took me a whole year to wean myself away from it. But the funniest part about that is that um, in terms of building an online business, Mm -hmm. I wasn't conscious of where I was spending it because I'd given up that practice. And I found I spent, well, I'm not not sure if I should say how many hundreds (laughs) of thousands of dollars. Uh, But the difference is at this point in my life, Mm -hmm. I can afford to do that because of what I did intelligently before. Right, which is super smart. So for us uh, entrepreneurs who are out there making money from providing our own products and services, would you have any suggestions of ways that we can uh, you know, build our wealth in a, in a more strategic way? Um, yeah, it, it, well, I say it often. I say wealth creation is a team sport, not a solo sport. And a lot of entrepreneurs are operating by themselves. They're making their own decisions. Mm-hmm. They're not bouncing things off of anybody else. Mm-hmm. At least if they have a coach that's mm-hmm. a good start and the other advantage is if you don't want to do that you find someone else in your same business and you create an accountability partner mm-hmm. you bounce ideas off of them 
Uh, what products or services are they using? What's working for them? What's not working for them? Um, because if you talk about where you're spending your money and mm-hmm. they talk about where they're spending their money and you're supporting each other, you're both going to make better decisions. Right. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Um, okay. One of the other things in terms of tracking money, I, I started doing this because I found my time was not going to where mm-hmm. I wanted it to go. And I started doing a time study. Mm-hmm. I don't know if your broadcast is anyone's going to see this, oh, but okay. here's a time study of what okay. I'm doing every 15 minutes. Okay. So it's a checklist now, prospect, for those of you that are just listening. Randy's showing us a checklist of everything he's doing in every 15 minutes. He's got a checklist. It's where he's showing you where you're spending your time. Exactly. Am I, how much time am I spending prospecting? How much am I time su- spending supporting clients or reading or developing new products or whatever? And so it's not like, well, um, my second wife went through a program called Overeaters Anonymous, mm-hmm. which uh, had her write down every time she ate something, just like mm-hmm. I write down every time I spend money. Mm-hmm that creates the consciousness of what's really going on. Mm -hmm. So whether you're tracking your time, Mm -hmm. whether you're tracking your money, that consciousness allows you to wake up to what's really happening and make different choices because now you have real information to base it on. Right. I love that. That's great. And now that your business has created the wealth that you want now, I think, interesting i want to talk about for a second like what you do you actually now donate all the proceeds for your wealth on any income.com 100 goes to charity which is the shelter to soldier.org charity do you want to talk about that for a second before we wrap up oh absolutely i want to talk about that because i i'm more interested in talking about what i'm doing than what i do and what i'm doing in terms of donating 100 of the profits from my book and programs to shelter to soldier because this is an organization that is rescuing dogs from environments where they would have been euthanized or died mm-hmm. and training them as service animals for soldiers who've come back with post-traumatic stress disorder or traumatic brain injuries. Mm-hmm. And in the U.S., I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in the U.S., our service members, our veterans are committing suicide at the rate of almost one an hour. Wow. And not one service member who's got their service dog mm. has committed suicide. Wow. So Two important. lives are being saved by this one charity. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, so far we've donated tens of thousands of dollars. Um, six dogs have been trained. The vet bills have been mm. covered. The food, the housing, the veterans have been trained how to work with the dog. So, Six dogs and six veterans have not died based on what we've donated. Yeah, that's amazing. And if anything, like, and how good does that feel to be able to do that? Because you've built the wealth that you need in order to live. And now you have this ability to give back where I think a lot of people are so worried that, you know, about making money in their lives that they don't ever make the money that they can then spend on giving back where, but you you need to spend, you need to make money to give back. So I think that's an important thing that a lot of people miss, right? Yeah, uh, you don't have to become a multimillionaire to give back to charity. Oh, yeah. I found that the real juice is when mm-hmm. I'm able to make the contributions to various charities. And Shelter to Soldier is the big one for me. I mean, people can donate their time. Um, mm-hmm. People can do any kind of fundraisers. And I was on a conversation the other day 
with someone we probably both know, Cami Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about how to leverage the philanthropic interests you have to grow your business. Yes, yes. And after talking with Cami, I realized, oh my gosh, I could actually use this to grow my business. Definitely. I mean, I, went, I used to do that in the fitness industry is where a lot, everything I did in the fitness industry was aligned with a, like a social cause of the food bank or mm-hmm. you know, um, we did a shoe drive for people who didn't have shoes in the downtown east side and everything was aligned with um, some social cause. And it was interesting what happened in that business is that it grew very fast and there was a lot of media attention on it as well. So not only is it good for your soul, good for your heart, good for the cause, but also good for your business too, right? Exactly, because, you know, those acts are leveraging what you're doing mm-hmm. uh, much easier. People, I think people are more interested in knowing about what you're doing in life than about mm-hmm. what you do. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. Thank you, Rennie, so much for being with us today. And for those of you guys that are interested in uh, following up with Rennie, it's wealthonanyincome.com. It's his web, is your website, correct? And yes. where else can they find out more about you and follow yeah. your, your charity? Yeah, yeah, they, they'll find out about the charity there. And actually, if they go to wealthonanyincome.com for, uh, forward slash gift, mm. they can actually pick up a book that I just finished writing that's uh, The 30 Attitudes of the Wealthy. Mm, I love it. That's great. So guys, you hear that? It was wealthonanyincome.com forward slash um, gift. And we will also put that in the show notes too. So thank you, Renny, for being with us today. It's been a pleasure getting to know more about you and about this wonderful cause you have and some great mindset shifts that I hope all of our entrepreneurs that are listening are going to take into consideration as they too go on to build their wealth and also give back in the world. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you, family, for joining us on this adventure. If you're ready to share your message with the world, head over to mypodcastcoach.com to download your free podcast launch plan. And head over to iTunes to like, subscribe, and review so we can spread this message. Until next time, be your own unique genius.